Good morning. So my name is Dina, and I'm part of Riverside team here. Um, how is everyone doing today? Good? Isn't it pretty cold today compared to the rest of the week? Oh, I couldn't wake up this morning. Yeah, it is tall enough. John, thank you. If you're here for the first time, you're very welcome. Um, we are very happy that you're here. And if you're coming back after a while, like Jordan and Miranda, I haven't seen you guys in a while. Hannah, I haven't seen you in a while. And we have Cuban. After two years, he's here with us. And we have Men, Masood, Mohsen, Mustafa, three M's, I'm always confusing. Welcome back. Uh, we're very happy that you guys are here. And is it still awkward to say Happy New Year? We are at January 15. I'm still saying Happy New Year. Uh, that's precisely the reason we are coming to the end of this Happy New Year series. Uh, so we started a series called Be the New Year, and we're going to complete it today. So next week, it's not about New Year anymore. So Ruben introduced this series to answer the question, what you and I can do to be new this year, to be different this year than we were last year. So in the first part, he, he started an amazing topic called how to look for the closed doors and how to look for the open doors. And he emphasized then when God opens a door, no one can shut, which is amazing. I, I, that's like, whew, that's cool. But... Most of the times, we see a lot of closed doors around us. And he walked us through the story of Paul, where Paul sees all these closed doors in his life before he can get to an open door. And that's the same for us this year. When we get to a closed door, we don't lose hope. We still trust God to open another door for us. And the first step to do that, to trust God, and the second step, which is really cool as well for me to understand is you always keep moving. You just don't cap around your closed door and waiting for it to open. Sometimes God has a different door for you. You will only see when you start moving. Um, that was the first part of the sermon. And if you want to know more, you can go to the podcast and listen. And then Gabby shifted gears last week where she challenged us greatly about how to seek the kingdom of God first, about everything, about our worries, about our lives, and how seeking the kingdom will actually uh, fix your worries too. It's somehow seek the kingdom of God first and everything else will be given to you. And it challenged a lot of people in our church as well. We had a lot of feedback, people talking back to us, asking us how to serve, how to be part of the community. And Gabby has more information later during announcements of how we we can all serve together with your gifts, with your talents, and with everything we have for God. So as we're moving on into this new year with this attitude of trusting God, finding the open doors, and then seeking God first, we want to make sure, and we want to take a step back, and we're going to examine our hearts and make sure this is not an emotional reaction. This is not something you listen and you go like, yes, let's do it. And a few weeks later, you, you really struggle to do it. A few weeks later, it's, you need more motivations. And that's what we're going to look. We, but gospel actually gives us a deep character change. It is not a just fixes the things outside. It it's radically changes you inside. That's what gospel does. So we're going to see how it does it. And 
we're going to open the scriptures and read a passage from the letter of Colossians. Uh, if you could put it on the screen, please. Colossians chapter 3, we're going to read a whole package, 1 to 11. So I'm going to ask Cuban, if you, you've got an amazing English, unlike me, you can read from 1 to 11, please. Colossians 3, 1 through 11. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself Rid, rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have been put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Thank you, Kuban. Uh, if you could go back to the first, pass, first part of the passage, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Uh, Do you guys remember Matthew 6.33 when Jordan created this wallpaper as well? Seek first the kingdom of God. Isn't it amazing how Bible is so interconnected? Paul is talking about, talking about the same thing. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So, if you go to the second part of the passage here, we're going to focus today on one thing. It says, uh, the next slide, please. So here it says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with these practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of his creator. So we see a word got taken off your old self and put on the new self. So that's what we're going to focus on. So in other words, it's put off your old and put on the new. The reason I want to focus this, you, if you do your concordance search in the Bible, and you can see this phrase all over the New Testament, put, on some, put off something and put on something else. And this is an important theme. Even Paul writes it in, in, in Romans, Ephesians, Galatians, and even Corinthians, uh, so this is obviously important, something. So we're going to look into it, what it is. Before um, we go into the nuances of it, what to put off and what to put on, I, I want to explain what is he even talking about. So the, the term put off and put on in, in, in Greek is it's usually referred to clothes. You know, you take off your old shirt and put on a new shirt. Uh, talking about shirts, I just want to make sure you all know this is a new shirt. I got a new shirt, by the way. Uh, and because I've been told I have a really bad taste in clothes. I, I don't know why. I don't know why people don't like a bright green with a dark blue with a bright red running shoes. They think it's not working. So, yeah. So I have to get a plain white shirt for today. So Paul is intentionally using this phrase of 
taking off your old shirt and put on a new shirt, and he's using it for identity. He's, he's using it for self. Take off your old self and put on the new self. In other words, he's saying the change in identity. So he's saying the gospel will give you a new identity. It will give you a, a new character. It will give you a new nature. In other words, the word which we don't want to hear so much is we are being converted. So here we are, uh, these Christians, talking about conversion again. Huh? Uh, if you're new here and if you're hearing about this conversion, I want to present to you really quick, take a few minutes and say, everyone is being converted by something every day. It's, it's not just you listen to the gospel message and you're being converted. If I, I was reading a book last week about how the nature, the cosmos, the earth, the plants and humans, how they're all super interconnected, how they work together so much, and especially humans, how they are so interconnected and their characters are shaped or developed by your social interactions and your social connections with other people. So if you don't want to change by the gospel or the message, you will be changed by something else. It, it's happening. We can never say if you're Christian or non-Christian, we are always being converted. And if you think about it, January 16, today, 2021, were you the same exact person as you are today? Probably not. Very high, unless you're just staying home all day. Um, I think even then you would change because you're watching TV. So we are all being shaped by something. We are all being shaped into something, and we are all being converted into something. But what we can actually choose is what we are shaped into and who we are being shaped by. So for Christians, as we want to be deeply changed by the gospel, not just as an external level, not just at an emotional level, but we want to change deeply. Our character or nature has to change deeply. So to know what to put off uh, or to know how to put off, we need to know what to put off. You need to, I need to understand that my bright green shirt does not go well with my blue. Unless I know that, I would never change it. So we're going to see what to put off before we know how to put off. So if you go back to the uh, f first place, please. So it says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, purity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. At the first glance, what we can see is there's a list given of bad things or sinful things that we cannot do. Uh, don't do that, and you are good. This is, uh, this is correct in a way, but this is a very simplistic answer, and it's not the solution to the problem. Because we have all kinds of lists of things not to do. Can we all agree that it's hard to follow that? Yeah? Gospel is not about things to do and things is not to do. Gospel is what Jesus did at the cross. That's what we're going to see. So I want to look at the key, key word in this passage, which is repeated in all the other themes where this one appears is the word, the last line, it says idolatry. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And here, Paul is talking about idolatry only for greed, but in other themes, he's talking about everything as idolatry. So what is idolatry? Anyone want to shout out an answer? 
idols, idols. When you worship something, worship someone or something, okay? That's a correct answer as well. Everything that you put before God, okay? Is, is idolatry always a bad thing? You always take a bad thing and put before God. No, not necessarily. So even a good thing can become an idol. So idolatry is basically whatever you get your identity from. If it's not God, it's going to be something else. So it necessarily don't have to be a bad thing. You can always take a good thing and make it as an idol. Or in other words, you can always take a good thing and make it as an ultimate thing. And make it as the only thing in the center of your heart. The only thing you worship. And this is true for everyone. This is true for Christians who are being in church for a while. And this is also true for people who are non-Christians, who are, don't want to do anything with the religion. They do worship something. They do have something as a center that defines their identity. And let me give you an example. So I, I, I'm a Christian, right? I, I'm, I'm very serious about my faith, I'm, I'm, but... I never would say that Jesus is not my ultimate thing. I always say Jesus is my ultimate thing, but I do have functional idols. What I mean by that is every now and then I do want an approval from people, which is, again, necessarily not a bad thing. You have to approve others. You have to encourage others. But sometimes when I don't get it, I feel lost. You see what's happening? That's where I get my righteousness from. That's where I feel okay only by that thing happening in my life. And it can be any, any end number of things. So let's look at some examples. Relationships. Is relationship a bad thing or a good thing? It's a great thing. It is a good thing. It is a great thing, right? So we can always say, if I can just get a partner or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a wife or a husband, it will complete me. Is that a correct thing or a bad thing? It's a bad thing, right? Because you're, th that's, that's a theme of Hollywood, by the way. Uh, but now it's been changing. So we take a good thing that God gives us, and we're just going to replace it. If only I get that, that will satisfy me. I will be happy. My life will be set. And we kind of moved away from that relationship idol, now it's a new trend is independence. Now we don't want to talk about being in a relationship. No, no, no. That's for weak people, man. We are like strong people. We work hard for a career, be single, do whatever we want, and be independent. You didn't essentially resolve your relationship idol. You just moved your relationship idol to an independence idol. And in the secular world, that's the best they can do. A any counseling and anything they can do, they can only move from one to another. If you're struggling with this, why don't you put that as your center? If you're struggling with that, how about your finances? How about make more money? How about feel more secure in your life? And, and, and even a deep character idols are there, like control. Let's say you are in your in the office environment and you are in your work environment and you always feel to have the say in your conversation. You want to have control. And if things are not happening your way, you don't feel okay. You, don't, you can't agree that. So 
It can be dominance, it can be control. So we can always trace back to the idols that are functional, that defines us, that we get your righteousness from. So that's the first way to identify the idol. So the other way is finding the idol is you look for your emotions. And we talked about last year a series about emotions as well. Emotions is, are not necessarily a bad thing. There's no such thing as bad emotions. Uh, anger can be for good or bad. So, but we can always trace back your emotions back to who you are inside really, who you trust really, who you identify yourself or who you look up to inside. Um, why you are angry? Why are you anxious? Why you feel depressed? Most of the times you can trace it back to what is in the center of your life. So that's what we're going to do this, this uh, week as we go. We want to take time. We're going to reflect what is your idol of your heart. What is one thing, even if you're a Christian, you have to do it at home. What is one thing you put at the center where you feel okay only if that thing happens? And you don't feel okay if that doesn't happen. That's the first thing. We got to identify the idols. After we identify the idols, it's not going to be easy path, right? It's not, I'm not saying once you identify the idols, boom, it's all done. Your life is solved. You'll be like Christ. Uh, no, I, we, we, we agree we are all human and we're going to work towards that part. But the first thing you got to identify and identifying itself will solve most of your problems, will solve most of the struggles because the only reason it, it's, it's, it's unsolvable is because you don't even know it's there. You don't even know. You have to unmask your idol of your heart so you can remove them. So what do we do next? How to remove the idol of your heart? Uh, this will sound super basic, but we're going to go back to basics today. So the first step to remove the idols of the heart is by repentance. What is Repentance. Anyone? Quick. I'll take one answer. Turn away from wicked ways. That, that's a good answer. But more? So I, I, before I go, what is repentance? We will look at what is, what is not repentance. Repentance is not feeling bad for what you did or feeling self-pity or hating yourself for what just happened. That is not repentance. You will... You, you will you will end up hating yourself because you already figured out you are a bad person, you broke the law, but you will never hate the sin itself. So let's see how, because that's a legalistic way of, legalistic conviction of sin. Let's see what's an evangelic, evangelistic conviction of sin. Let's see Luke 7. Um, we, Luke 7 from 36 to 50. If you have time at home, please do read. It's an amazing story. I'm just going to summarize the story, and then we're going to read a few verses after. So Jesus was sitting, eating with the Pharisees. So the Pharisees are people, religious people who are really good, who keeps all the law, uh, at least outwardly. And, and he invites Jesus to have lunch with him or dinner. It says eat. I don't know if it's lunch or dinner. Uh, I want to be accurate. So let's just say dinner. So he was having dinner with Jesus, and... There was this woman, the third character in the story, and this woman was, Bible says, a sinful woman, which usually uh, in the Bible means she's an adulteress. She's 
Uh, she's sleeping around. She was outcast, right? So this woman was coming into that dinner party uh, that she was not invited, but she was there at Jesus' feet. She didn't say anything. She was just crying, and she was weeping, and she is kissing Jesus' feet and because she was just regretting about her life. And that's all happened, right? And, and, and the Simon the Pharisee, he looks at the whole situation. He goes, oh, what is happening? That's kind of awkward. And why is this guy letting the girl do all that things? Because for, for, for Simon's point, he's a good guy and he's done all the things. And that girl is not. And he's, he, she, doesn't even, she doesn't deserve to be even there in that position. And Jesus knows Simon's thought. And Jesus said in uh, Luke seven forty. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. So what happened here is um, Jesus just always breaks into parables, right? He always gives a little story to explain what's happening. So if you understand the story, let me summarize really quick. He's, he's saying two people are there, let's say Don and Martha. And Don owes 50,000 euros and Martha owes five euros to me. So Martha comes to me and says, I can't pay. I say, that's fine. It's okay. Five euros. Don't worry about it. And Don comes up to me. He says, I can't pay. I probably say, I'm not going to say I forget about it. But let's just say, in this story, Jesus says, forget about it, man. 50,000. Don't worry. So Jesus, Jesus is asking, who's going to love me more? Who's going to be more thankful? It's Don because I forgive him more so he can love him more. And he just told this story when Simon was thinking that that girl doesn't deserve to be there. And in the next, on 47, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. How do we go to Jesus when you need repentance? Do you go whenever you did something really big? Or do you go every day? Or do we go like with the attitude of Simon saying, well, I, I know I'm a pretty good person. I did most of the things that I wanted to do this week. I read my Bible, prayed. I'm, I'm all right. But I did mess up at work. I cursed two times. And uh, I texted this person I didn't want to text. Uh, I was scrolling Instagram too much. So those are the five things I need to ask for forgiveness, and the rest I'm all right. Would we go like that, or would we go like this woman? She didn't even say anything. She was just there at Jesus' feet weeping because her, she knows her debt is big. She knows how much she owed Jesus. She knows a depth of her sin. Do we know our depth of the sin? And do we go to God every day for repentance or we just go maybe on Sunday or once a week or once a month when we really feel like that? If you want to truly repent, guys, 
we need to go to the cross every day. We cannot go to Mount Sinai. We cannot go to the law. And whenever you break a law, you, you feel bad. We need to go to the cross every day and consistently to have a deep character change. And that's how you can take, put off your old self. Your old self, is, it's not an instant change. It's not something you feel today very powerful and then it's, it's gone. It's not. We all know that. We all struggle every day with it. And so what do we do next? So let's say, okay, Dina, I, I, I understood it. I'm going to go reflect on identifying the idols of my heart. And I'm going to truly repent to Jesus, truly go to God and say, I need you. Not just whenever I need or not just sometimes, but constantly to remind myself the depth. But what's next? What, what do I change now? The next thing is you need to put on your new nature. Once you take it off, you got to put it on. The reason we do that as this one of the ministers, his name is Thomas Chambers, said, our heart is never left without an object of ultimate beauty and joy. These objects can be conquered, which is you can change them, but you can never leave it empty. The only way to dispossess the heart of an old affection or a whole desire is to replace it with an expulsive power of a new desire. We cannot dispossess an old love without a new love. It is not a matter of will of like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take it off. I'm going to do good things. It's, it's just not a matter of will to control your desires. We need to replace our old desire with a new one. We need something else for our hearts to worship. We need something else better. We need something else that does not fail us. We need something else that does not change. We need something else that is not from this world. Paul says in Romans 13, verse 14, Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of flesh. And he also talks in Galatians 3 as well. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. So the word for clothe yourself is put on. That's what we're talking about. You have to put on Christ. And how do you exercise practically? It says, you are all children of God through faith. And that's the second part of the Christian life's engine is faith. First one is repentance and the next one is faith. Do we believe every day this truth that we are clothed with Christ? That we are a new creation? Do you know that when you come to God with all your imperfections, God just takes it all in and just clothes you with Christ. And do you know what that means, clothed, clothed, clothed with Christ mean? In front of God, God doesn't see Josh. God doesn't see Tosin anymore. God doesn't see Darwin anymore. God sees Christ. And God delights in Josh just like he delighted in Christ. And God loves Josh just like he delight, loves Christ. 
And that's what putting on Christ means. And the way you do that, you, you need to believe. You need to know the gospel and you need to believe the gospel every day. And I read it somewhere. It's, it's easy to have negative affirmations. Or if, if, if someone says negative, in your heart, negative about you, it will stick to your heart very easily. And it won't go out very fast. But you need positive things to be told to you over and over again until it is written in your heart. And this, this the gospel is a positive thing, guys. And you need to write it in your heart. And if you haven't heard this before, this is the first time you're hearing this, believe. Know the gospel. You are perfect in front of God through the completed work of Jesus. And you are perfectly loved through Jesus. God delights in you through Jesus. And you have been approved before God through Jesus. You don't have to look for approval for anywhere else. You don't look for identity anywhere else. You don't need to feel better by doing something because you are loved as you are in Christ. And this cycle of repentance and coming into faith again, going back, you, the old nature always going to come back, right? You're not going to kill the whole nature today completely. It's going to come back again. That's why we have the cycle of Christian life where you always go to God every day, repent and believe that you are a new creation. Oh, I failed again tomorrow. That's okay. Go back, repent and believe again. And this is what's going to bring a deep character change and a spiritual maturity in our life. Not, um, not just believing and then just letting it go. You, you, you have to come back. We have to remind ourselves the debt we owe God. And we have to remind ourselves how much God loves us even through all that. I'm going to invite the worship team back here. And we're going to take a few minutes. And I, I kept it really short because I don't want to give a bunch of references to you guys in the Bible. But I, I want you guys to reflect today. We're going to play some music as we go into the next song. Think about the idols that you need to put off in your life. And, and be honest with you guys. And, and, and don't let the excuses come tell you something different. Don't like, oh, well, you behave that way because of that person, because he is mean. Be honest with you and see what is in your heart that you're struggling with. And repent truly to God. Repent deeply. And above all, believe the gospel. Above all, come back to the gospel all the time. You are a new creation. You are clothed with Christ. Whatever you did, it doesn't matter. And I want to read this poem that I came across. Uh, it was a beautiful poem for me at least. And I want to share this with you. Um, if you can put it on the screen. So this was written by an elementary school teacher. And this became really popular, at least in some of the circles. It says, uh, it, it's talking about a, a, a child, uh, a school kid coming back to a school teacher, yeah? So it says, he came to my desk with a querying lip. The lesson was done. Have you a new sheet for me, dear teacher? I've spoiled this one. I took a sheet all soiled and blotted and gave him a new one, all unspotted. And to his tired heart, I cried. Do better now, my child. I went to the throne with a troubled heart. The day was done. 
Have you a new day for me, dear master? I've spoiled this one. And he took my day, all soiled and blotted, and gave me a new one, all unspotted. And to my tired heart, he cried, do better now, my child. We have access to this throne every day, guys. We can go to God every day. It's, it's unrestricted access. We can go to him and just give back what you messed up and get a new sheet. He's waiting for us to come back. In whatever phase of life you are in, you are 10 years Christian or 2 years Christian or you're just trying to know, just go back to him. Just have your conversation with God. Just tell your doubts to him. I want to believe, but I couldn't believe because of these things. He'll give you a new nature. He'll give you a new heart. He'll give you a new identity. And you will have a deep character change this new year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, God. We come to you with all our brokenness. God, we want to start the new year really strong. We want to, we want to change really quick. We want to we want to turn our life around in a couple of weeks. That's what we always want to do, God. But help us identify the old nature in us. Help us identify the old self that keeps creeping around us. Help us put it off. Show to us, God, this morning as we pray, as we go home. Show in our heart what are the things that are idols in our heart that I'm looking for my identity in. Help us repent, God. God, I can I know how much you did for me, but I, I want to know in my heart. I want to know your love in my heart so I can truly repent, so I can deeply repent. God, clothe, clothe every one of us with Christ. The whole church here, God, clothe us with Christ. As we stand in front of you, God, you 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 see Christ in us. You see Christ's righteousness in us. Thank you for that love. Thank you for the scandalous love that you have shown in our lives. God, we don't want to just walk away with the truth casually, God. Write it in our heart. Remind us every day about it. Let our nature be changed by it. Let our character be shaped by the truth that you are in us. Christ is all Christ in all. Help us to see this, God. We need your grace. We need your mercy. Above all, we need you. We can't do it ourselves.